That's a great one. I tell you what, we're, that in a lot of ways embodies what we're going to be talking about today. Today we're closing our series on dimensions. And uh, we've been talking in this series that God has made us three-dimensional. That God has made us so that we would connect with God, that we would connect with people, and that we would connect with the church. We call those relationships here at One Church the three vital relationships. And it's how we gauge spiritual growth. You know, and we've been talking about this. So many times churches, they gauge spiritual growth if you go to a certain class if you, or you go to confirmation or if you have so much knowledge. But when you look in the New Testament, Jesus always gauged spiritual growth and how far somebody has come in their spiritual walk with him always by relationships. In fact, when one person came up and asked Jesus, listen, of all these laws, which one is the most important? Which is the one I really need to follow? And what did Jesus say? He says, what you need to do is you need to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is just like it. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love other people. And that he says elsewhere, he says, I even want you to pray for your enemies and for those who are picking and persecuting on you. So that's what we've been talking about today in this past three weeks. Today we're going to be talking about how you connect with the church. How you connect with the church. And I want to say this. How many of y'all, uh, by a show of hands, that you would consider one church your church? Maybe you, you may have been here like three, four, five times. You may have been here for a couple of years, but you say one church is my church. Let me see your hands. All right, cool. Fantastic. All right. Now, for those who didn't raise their hands, all right, you, th- today is a free pass for you. All right. I'm going to let you guys off the hook. If this is your first time back at church, or maybe you've only been to one church maybe a couple times and you're still kind of checking us out and kicking the tires and going, these people are a little strange. I don't know. You know, I totally understand that. And I want to say we are a little strange. All right. I do want to say this, though, that if you're just kind of coming back to church or maybe you're not even a Christian, I just want you to sit in your seat and experience no guilt whatsoever. And I just want you to let everything go through one ear and out the other. Okay. Now, if one church is your church, I'm going to be talking to you directly. In fact, right now, you may be thinking about escaping, but we are locking the doors in the back. I'm just joking. So just that one's locked. Anyway, now, um, but I, I, to be honest with you, I'm going to be talking a lot to you guys today about some uh, two very unpopular things that nobody likes to talk about in church. All right. In fact, I hate talking about a lot of this, but it's one of those things that we have to talk about it because Jesus talked a lot about it. So today we're talking about how we connect with church and that the church is a family. Now, a lot of people give the ch- a, a, a bad rap to the church. In fact, this is kind of what they think. You know, I don't have to be a, go to church in order to be a Christian. I don't have to go to church. I don't, I, you know, religion's kind of a private thing for me. And I can be a Christian and never go to church. Now, is that true? Absolutely. I believe that the Bible clearly teaches that one can have a relationship with God without ever stepping foot in front of a church. But I do want to put this caveat on it, that you can't have a growing relationship without being involved in the church. You can have a relationship, but not a growing relationship with God. Our mission at One Church is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And that means many times that what you get out of it is what you put into it. 
because we are all a family. All right? We are all a family. The, the, the fact, one of the biggest pictures in the Bible of the church is the church is the family of God. God's the father. Jesus is the big brother in the family. And we're brothers and sisters. And just like your family, some of you are thinking, I don't know if I like these people. I don't know. I, I don't really get along with everybody. I struggle with them. And some of them are weird. And you know what I want to say? Welcome to the family. Right? How many of y'all got some strange people in your family? All right. Now, some of you, you didn't raise your hands. And let me tell you what that says. You're the cousin Eddie. You're the strange one. Right? Um, but, and, and, and let me tell you, that's just how families are. Families are icky. Families are complicated. They're awkward. They're hard. You love and you stick by your family. And, but family's important. Some of you get, guys and ladies get so excited when you get a friend request on Facebook. And your goal is to have this many thousands of friends by this many times. And let me tell you, as great as friends on Facebook are, family's better. Family's better because all of us go through times. And if you are a Christian and you don't have a church home, let me tell you what the Bible calls you, an orphan. You can be a Christian without being involved in a church, but you cannot be a growing Christian. You are an orphan if you are not part of a church family. So one of the biggest goals that I have for you today is for you to feel like that one church is your spiritual family. And in order for that to happen you got to do a couple of things. In fact, our big idea says this. For a church to feel like family, you have to what? Share and what? You have to share and you have to serve. You have to share resources and you have to serve with your time and with your hands. You know, the biggest difference between a restaurant, a restaurant and a family dinner, think about this. When you go to a restaurant, you sit down and somebody does what? Serves you. That's exactly right. And guess what? Because somebody's serving you and you order whatever you want, you, you even can complain, right? I mean, you can say that the fried chicken doesn't taste like chicken. It's supposed to taste just like chicken, right? And the mashed potatoes are too salty. The gravy's too runny. The apple pie, it's not that great. In fact, I want a comment card. And can I please see the manager? Now, try that stuff at home. Try that one at home, all right? It doesn't work when you're a part of the family, does it? In fact, you know, I was born here in Clarksville. My parents still live here in Clarksville, and every Monday night, we'll go over at my parents' house to eat. For 13 years, we didn't live anywhere close to Clarksville. And our family was kind of the church. It was wonderful. And, and we still have wonderful church families as well. But I get to go home, and if I came in the back door of their house and sat in the recliner and grabbed the remote, I can tell you what my mama would tell me. In fact, she was here for service, and she even said, Amen. <laughs> she would say, Get up. Get up and set the table. That's what she would say. Why? Because I am a part of a family. Some of you, you try this when you get home today. When you, when you get home with your wife or your husband, I want you to... I want some ice cream now. Let me tell you what you're going to get. You ain't going to get ice cream. You're going to get a dull, rusty spoon somewhere in the cavity of your heart. 
All right? And I'm going to be preaching a funeral. <clears throat> Here's the thing. I mean, if I did that with my mo- wife, if I, my wife would go, get it yourself, right? Because that, that doesn't work. Why? Because I'm a, I'm a part of a family. In fact, when I get finished eating, either at my house or at my parents' house, I don't just leave the, the plate on the table. I take the plate. I take it in there. I scrape it off. I put it in the dishwasher. Why? Because I am a part of the family, and being a part of the family means that you do something. What do you call family members who don't do anything? Teenagers. Going it out there. Now, now here's the thing. Youth, I know y'all are sitting right here. You can either accept that and say, maybe he's right, or you can reject that, and maybe he's wrong. I'm okay with it, but we all know the truth, don't we? Because we were all teenagers once, right? I mean, honestly, how many times did your parents have to say, will you please take out the trash, pick up your underwear off the floor? Maybe that's what your spouse is saying to you. I don't know. But all of us, all of us, To be a part of the family, that means you have to do something. You have to do something. And that is the biggest difference between being a restaurant and being at home with the family. It's because in order for the church to feel like family, you have to serve and you have to share. I mean, I I promise you this. If you come to one church and you say, man, the worship's great, the preaching's great, everything is wonderful. But if you choose not to give, you choose not to serve, and if you choose not to get involved in your community group, I will promise you in six months we will not see you around here. Why? Because you won't have connected with anyone. And if you don't connect and if you don't make friends, it doesn't matter how good you think whatever it is, you won't stick. Because things will get tough in your life. And you're not going to have any family to depend upon. A spiritual family. That is huge. Or what you're going to do is you're going to leave this church. And you're going to go to another church. And you're going to go, waiter, excuse me, pastor, serve me. Right? When really, how we connect with the church. Yes, we receive things from the church. But to be a part of the family, we receive security. We receive a lot of things to be a part of the family, but we also must give. And you only get out what you put in. That's huge. We don't should just be snapping our fingers going, waiter. I mean, in fact, let me just say this. How much is the going rate for tipping a waiter or waitress? 15, 20, some of y'all are generous. Whoever that is, praise you, all right? Some said 15, some said 20, all right, now... Now, in most of us, we don't complain about that, probably, right? We don't complain about it. But it isn't, isn't it amazing when we get good service from a waiter or a waitress, we'll go, okay, I'll give them 15, I'll give them 20. But when God asks for 10%, we, go, we start balking. How dare he? Boy, I mean, 10, that's a lot, 10%. But yet, it's God who gives us life, who gives us air to breathe, who gives us purpose. Who gives us meaning. Who, I mean, my, my God has given me three beautiful boys who are healthy. And a wife who loves me. And a job. And yet I sometimes can go 10%. So today I want to talk to you for the rest of the day about sharing, sharing our resources and giving. Now again, I want to reiterate. If this is your first time, we don't want your money. I want to say that up front. We don't want your money. We want you to give your heart to Jesus. Totally want that. But if one church is your church, you need to listen to this. 
Because for the longest time, me and my wife, we struggle with this issue of giving. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, we're going to be looking at John chapter 12, verse 1. And a great, great story that actually happened right before Jesus was killed. And it's all about sharing our financial resources. It says this, Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus what? Lived. Now, that's what's so cool about that is because the chapter before, Lazarus wasn't living there. You know what he was living? He wasn't living anywhere. He was dead as a doornail. John chapter 11, chapter before, he's dead. And what makes the difference in Lazarus' life? You want to know? Jesus. He was, Lazarus was dead, and now he's alive again. Now, look at this. Whom, I'm going to keep on reading. Whom Jesus raised from the dead. See, I told you. All right? Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Stop right there. Everything is in Jesus' honor. Do you know that? Everything. I mean, our life isn't about us. It's about his story. Every, so a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And then Mary. So this is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. These were two sisters and a brother. All right? So they were all from the same family. Then Mary took a pint of pure what? That's not lard. It's nard. An expensive perfume. Now let me just say this. And we're getting ready to see this in verse 5. What nard is, is an expensive perfume, a very expensive perfume. In fact, it cost a year's wages. Now, I don't know how much you make. But you do, because you just got finished paying taxes April 15th. Thank you, Uncle Sam. You know what your W-2 says. I want you to take that number in your head and put that of how much this would cost. Is it 30 grand? 40 grand? 50 grand maybe. It varies. Some of you are college students. It's, it's $200 a year. All right? Whatever it is. All right? So it's a year's salary. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. This is not Old Spice. And she did what? She did what? She poured it on Jesus' feet. Oh, no, she didn't. I mean, that. A year's wages and you're going to waste it? And how much did she pour? All of it. Not just 10%. Not 30%. But gave it all to Jesus. And look at this. And wiped his feet with her hair. That's a sign of humility. And the house was filled with the fragrance of this perfume. I mean, that is crazy. I mean, that's like forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. Just thrown out the door. And let me tell you just where this was culturally. Ladies at that time would save for years to buy this expensive perfume so that on their wedding night and on their wedding day they could wear it. And this was, I mean, what she, what Mary did is she took the thing that was most precious to her, the thing that symbolized her future. Because at this point, because she had this, she wasn't married yet. I mean, it's it's like... If you sold your wedding gown and you took that money and you put it at Jesus' feet. I mean, she is sacrificing. I mean, she took the thing that was most valuable to her and gave it to Jesus. Why did she do that? Two things. Here's the two things. Listen to this. It's because first, she knew who Jesus was. 
She knew who Jesus was. I mean, when we get, when we get an under a clear picture of who we are compared to Jesus, we, will have, we won't be asking, i got to give how much? He wants me to do what? Is that before or after taxes? You see, when we get a clear picture of who Jesus is, it's not about what we get from Jesus. It's about what we can give. Mary is saying, let me give it her all. Let me give it my all. She knew who Jesus was, and that's the reason why she gave it her all. But let me tell you the second reason why she gave such an extravagant gift to Jesus is because of what Jesus had done. Again, remember what happened the chapter before? How was her brother? Was her brother sick? Was her brother on ICU? What was her brother doing? Dead. He was dead. There was no hope. There was no hope. The doctors couldn't do anything. But when Jesus showed up, the dead were raised to life. And let me tell you, because of what Jesus did, she says, I'm just going to give it her. I'm going to I'm going to give him all. Now, some of you are going, well, I've not seen a miracle like that. Let me tell you, if you are a Christ follower, that was you. You the Bible says that we were dead in our sins, but he has made us alive in Christ Jesus. That was you. The miracle you experienced was you being raised from the dead. Your sins are forgiven. There doesn't have to be any guilt. That is you. And if that doesn't get you excited, that means you're probably still dead. Mary realized who Jesus was and acknowledged what Jesus has done. And because of that, that's the reason she said, take it all. That's the only response we have to a God like that. I mean, we don't give a, a, a God, hey, here's a tip, here's a quarter. I don't know. Let me put it this way. How many of y'all plan on going on vacation this summer? I am. All right, anybody else besides me? Come on now. All right. All right. When you leave and you go out of town, what do you do? You get, some, you get somebody that you know and you ask them to do what? Watch the house, good. Feed the dogs. Somebody in the first service says, feed the cat. And I said, no, we don't do that. <laughs> and then they started crying. I'm joking, they did. <clears throat> um, yes, you, you feed the cat, you feed the dog, you watch the house, but you check the mail. Now, what if I left out of town and I asked a friend of mine, hey, check the mail. And when I got back, my friend says, hey, listen, I checked the mail. You had a bill due and I paid it. Now, let me tell you, if he paid the gas bill, and it being summer, thank you for spending that eight bucks. But, you know, I, I could have taken care of that one. I prob- that wouldn't have made me real excited. But if my friend said, listen, the, your house payment came due, and I just went on and paid it all, do you know what I would be doing? I would be, I am... I would give somebody the wettest, sloppiest kiss on the forehead and I would give them a big hug and I would be yelling and screaming. Why? Because you paid a massive debt that I couldn't pay unless I'm living for 30 years, right? I mean, that would get me excited. Let me tell you what God did for you and me is that we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. Because of our sin, we couldn't get to heaven. We couldn't have a relationship with Jesus. And God gave Jesus his one and only son and said, debt cancel. Now, if that, if that doesn't get you excited, if that doesn't make you want to just say, you know what? This is it. This is it. This is my all. Then that means you're probably dead. 
I got a, somebody in my immediate family that when we go out to a restaurant, he'll put a quarter on the table. He'll tell the waiter or waitress, this is your tip. You can tell, and I can go up or down from there. All right? But so many times, isn't that what we do with God? And God is the one who gives us life. Who, 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 who allows us to have health so that we can work. I mean, that's amazing. Look at verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. Now, is Judas a good guy or a bad guy? What was that? He's just a guy. How many of y'all know, have ever known anybody named Judas? No one. Let me tell you the reason why. Because Judas, in fact, it says Judas who was later to betray Jesus. Nobody names their kid Judas unless you don't like him. Right? Because Judas is the bad guy here. He is the one who betrays Jesus. Now, quick question. Why did Judas betray Jesus? For what? For money. 30 pieces of silver. He betrayed Jesus for money. And I tell you, a lot of people talk bad about Judas. But when the offering plates pass, do you know what most disciples they affiliate with the most? Judas. Because we're willing to betray our God and say, you know what? Here's a quarter. And hear me. If this is your first time, this is, again, we don't want this. this, We're not talking to you. And y'all know this. I don't hardly ever talk about money. I hate it more than you love, hate listening to it. But you need to know what the Bible says. The Bible talks more about money than heaven or hell or any of that stuff. Jesus talks more about it. And if I don't talk about money, then I'm not really, I'm not handling God's word correctly. So today we're talking about it. Look at this. John chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. I mean, doesn't that sound spiritual? It, there's always the poor, brother. Why, why, are you, you know, why are we spending money on this or that? I mean, that sounds like the most godliest objection ever. But what does Jesus say about Look at this. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor. No, because he was a thief, it says in verse 6. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. And Jesus said, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. If you want to connect with the church, if you want the church to feel like more than just a building or a school or wherever your church meets at, or, then you're going to have to share your resources. And one of the things, I, and I... I as I was preparing for this message, there's like a thousand different verses I liked. In Acts chapter 2, when the church first started, you know what everybody got together and did? They shared their resources. In Acts chapter 4, you know what they did? Shared their resources. And you know what? Because they shared, they were able to see some amazing God-given things happen to them. And I wonder why when we are stingy and I am stingy and I like white-knuckling stuff, we wonder why we don't see God's presence in our midst. It might be because we don't share and that we're selfish. And I'm just going to be honest with you, for the longest time, my wife and I, we struggle with this. We struggle with giving. You're probably never, ever going to hear a pastor say that. But I'm going to be honest with you because I'm messed up just like you are. You know, we could, I could come here and I get here at 6 o'clock and we set stuff up. And sometimes, you know, I'm teaching and sometimes my wife is singing or in one-way street. And the bucket gets passed and we forget. In fact, I don't carry a checkbook. How many of y'all don't carry checkbooks? Let me see your hands. Look, look, keep them up. Keep, no, seriously, keep up. Look around, guys. 
<laughs> That's crazy. All right? I ain't kept a checkbook since 2004. You know, you know how I pay for stuff? It ain't cash either. It's my debit card. So, and my wife and I struggled in this area. But I'll tell you, in the, in the past year and a half, we have been consistently giving 10% or over to one church. And you know what made the difference for us? It's not because we're super spiritual, because we're just like you. We, we started a system here at one church called eGive. It's called Electronic Giving. And what it is, is you can go on, and you can go to our website, onechurch.tv, and hit on Give Online. And it goes to this e-give. It's all secure. You come up with your own password. We don't have that. And you tell it when you want it to take automatic drafts out of your account. You tell it the amount. You tell it the time of the month. You tell it how often. You can end it at any time. So what my wife and I did, we know how much we make. So we said, okay, 10% of it is going to be this. We went on, and we get paid on the 1st and the 15th. So we, it comes out like second or third and like the 17th. And it comes out and we don't, e- we don't even see it. Now, some of you, you're like, well, I don't feel like I'm, if I'm not writing the check, I don't feel like I'm being obedient. Okay, you just saw how many people don't even have checks in here, right? And at this point, when we're passing around the bucket, you don't give us your MasterCard, right? I mean, here you go. <laughs> you know, but you don't do that. So I'm encouraging you guys. In fact, I want to challenge. I would like to see 20 families, 20 families. I want you to try e-give. I want you to try it through the summer. Because usually during the summer, because of vacation, we get a slump. But we still want to do ministry here. So I want to challenge each and every one of you that if you're willing to do it, and just to try it, you can end it whenever you want to. But to try it, and I want you to put God to the test on this. In fact, I didn't say this in first service, second service. If you tithe and you do this consistently, and if you get to the point in the next, you know, until the summer's over, you're like, man, I'm going to need to tithe back. And you know what? We'll give it back to you. Not a lot of churches would say that. But I truly believe and I trust God that God will meet your needs just like he meets ours. Because it's not a money issue. It's a faith issue, right? That's really what it is. It's a faith issue. It's a faith issue. Let's watch this video and then we'll talk about the next part as we close.
because you guys give, last week four people prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Two weeks ago, we can clap. That's something to get excited about. Two weeks ago, we had nine people pray to receive Jesus. And that's the week that we had 32 first-time guests. Dear Lord, it's like, man, it was great. But that's because of your willingness to give and your willingness to serve because of the same, the flip side of the same coin. If you want church to feel like a family, then you have to share your resources and you have to serve. You have to serve. You know, here at One Church, it's not about plugging a hole. In fact, our, one of our core values here at One Church is we believe everybody's a tenant something. In fact, we're going to throw this core value up. Uh, this is our core value number six, and it says strategic service, building a team where everybody, everybody say everybody. Everybody, everyone has a role. You know, in a lot of churches, if you don't have like a certain amount of knowledge or if you're not from the right crowd or if you're not dressed the right way, you can't serve. And I got a Greek word for that. It's called bunk. Because here at One Church, we want everybody to have a place on the team. In fact, we believe that so much. We believe that God has made everybody a 10 at something. You know what? And what makes a 10 at you, I may, I may be a one at. And that's the reason why we need each other. But this is one of our core values. Everybody is a 10 at something, and it's not about filling a hole. We know that everybody's passionate about something. And the key is to find what they're good at, what they're passionate about, and say, go ahead. Because this is not what we want from you. It's what we want for you. Everybody has a role to play. Everybody can serve and should serve. And I'll tell you, the one cool thing about this is there's something about when we serve, guys, that we grow spiritually. I'll never forget, man, when I graduated high school, Clarksville High School is where I graduated it. And um, I remember, I remember going into college at Austin P. In my freshman year of college, I decided to be sixth grade Sunday school teacher to a bunch of boys. And I studied and I was, I studied and studied and studied. And I don't really remember what I, but I remember I got a lot out of it. In fact, a couple of months ago, I saw one of those sixth grade boys who's now like 25, taller than me. Evan Radish is his name. And I saw him. He gave a big old hug to me. He says, with tears, he says, I want to thank you for loving on me when I was in sixth grade. I was just kind of weird. And you know what? If you're a sixth grader, you know that's normal. Right? It just is. Because you're going through all of these changes. And I just want to say, that is where my ministry started. And I look back, and sometimes I wonder, man, it, you know, is God still using me? And I can look back, and Evan can come give me a big hug and say, you made a difference in my life. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Let's read a couple of verses here, and we'll be done. It says this, because everybody has been gifted with something. You have a 10. You're a 10 at something. So t- as, as we close, I want, you to sh- I want to show you how, how you can find where you're a 10 at. This is what it says. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you, I don't want you to misunderstand this. There are different kinds of, what does it say? There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we have the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does all of this work within us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that what? We can help each other. Now, a lot of stuff here. When we, when we ask Jesus to be our Savior and we get forgiveness, God gives us the Holy Spirit. And He resides in us forever. 
And what's cool about this is God gives us spiritual gifts. That we are gifted at something. And, and some of you are like, I can't do nothing. Well, if you're a Christ follower, God's made you attend at something. It says it right here. He's given a spiritual gift to each one of you. Some, has, some people have one. Some people have three. None of us have them all because if we had it all, we wouldn't need each other. But I'm going to keep on reading. Look at this. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. We don't have to beg God to give us a certain gift. He gives it to him and he decides who gets what. Now, let me say what I, that means if God gives me the gift of teaching and he gives you the gift of serving behind the scenes in mercy, you're no better than I am and I'm no better than you are. Did y'all hear that? Let me tell you at one church, I firmly believe that I am no better than anybody else. And my gift doesn't set me apart more than anyone else because I need you and you need me and I need you and you need her and she needs him. And we all need each other because we're a family. In fact, we're getting ready to say it says we're the body of Christ. We all need each other. We're all connected. So it, just because I'm up here doesn't make somebody who helps on the setup and teardown team any less. I really need them. Because if it wasn't for them and if it wasn't for people working with children, we couldn't do what we're doing now, right? How many of y'all, I mean, we, have, we start one-way street back next week, our K through fifth grade. How many of y'all got your K through fifth grader here, right? Now, they're doing really good. But how many of y'all enjoy those environments so that you can send them to? Right? All of us, right? Because they're able to learn a little bit differently the way you and I learn. I'm going to keep on reading. Verse 4 and verse 7. Actually, I'm, I'm going to start reading at verse 11. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which each gift a person should have. Verse Uh, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. That's just a fancy word by saying the church. We're the body. If a foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. Let's stop right there. If your foot is talking, you've got issues. You need some counseling, may need some medication. I I mean, we all have feet. Now, talking about feet and hands, I've got Ugly feet, but I also have very flat feet. Can y'all see those? I've got like no arches. All right? And I walk like a duck. But they're my feet. I'm attached to them. So there you go. Now, these feet are made for walking. And if I tried getting on my hands and walking, number one, I'm not going to. But if I tried, I could only maybe walk maybe one or two steps and I'd be done. Why? Because these are not made for walking. My feet are. But my hands are made for grasping. My hands are made for holding somebody else's hand. My hands are made for um, when my kids fall down on their bike and I go and I, I pick them up and I, and I kiss their boo-boos. I mean, that's what my hands are made for. But that's not what my feet are made for. Keep on reading. Um, if, the, if, uh, if the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says I'm not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? That's a great question. Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? What that's saying is we all need each other. You see, what a lot of churches and a lot of denominations do is they put all the hands in one denomination and all the feet in another and all the armpits in another, right? But all of those, we all need each other. We are all the body of Christ, God has made us all good at something. Some of that is walking. Some of that's grasping. Some of that's what... But all of us need each other. And some of you, you've tried something 
here at one church, and you tried it, and it wasn't a fit. You didn't like it. You try something else. All right, keep on reading. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange would a body be if it only had one part? Think about that. If you just had a big eye floating around. I mean, that's like Stephen King stuff, right? All right. Uh, um, um, I keep on reading. Um, yes, there are many parts, but only one body. This makes for harmony among the members. Harmony among the members. And um, so that all members can care for each other. You see, and this is so important. And it, when we don't, we're not, we're not connected to a church. And when something happens and our, our spouse walks away from us. Or we get put in the hospital. There's nobody there who can care for us. That's why it's important to be a part of a church family. If one part suffers, look at this, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, then all parts are glad. All of you together are what? Christ's body, and each of you is what? A part of it. Each of you. So as we close, I want to say this. I want to talk about a couple who's a part of the body of Christ here at One Church. Their names are Richard and Tabitha. In fact, I'm gonna, we're going to throw a picture of their Richard and Tabitha. So, all right, here in a second. There it is, right there. Now, by the way, Richard's the one on the left. Let me tell you about Richard and Tabitha. R- Richard is in the Army. Tabitha, she's going to college. And uh, they've been here at one church for a while. And a lot of times I will see people, and I, and I can't remember their names, all right? Um, and I would see them in the halls, and I just couldn't remember their names. Like, oh. You know, and I'd beat myself up about it until one day they said, you know what? We want to become members of one church and we'd like to take the membership class. So we used to do the membership class once a month. Me and my friend Luther back there who's running sound today, um, uh, we uh, lead the class, the membership class. So it's a one-time three-hour class. And the win for this class is you take your spiritual gifts, you learn your spiritual gifts, you learn your personality, and then you figure out where the, a good place for, for you to serve is. Now, here's what's so cool. Tabitha. She serves in children's check-in. How many of y'all have children and you bring your children to children's check-in? The whole reason we do check-in the way we do is so that we can keep our children safe. It's really, really important. And if you've never been to our church, we want to welcome you. All right? And, uh, and, and Richard, in fact, Richard's back there running the, the, the camera. Wave at us, Richard. Everybody look at Richard. Wave at him. And let me tell you, the reason why Richard does the camera is not so that we could be on television. Um, we started this ministry a couple of years ago because we know we have men and women who are in Afghanistan and Iraq and who can't be here with their families. So we record the worship and the sermons and put that up. We put the spiritual, uh, the, the small group questions online so that they can have church in Afghanistan. That's the reason why we do that. And Richard said, I want to be a part of that. In fact, when he says, not only that, he says, I'm a, I think I'm a pretty good drummer. I want to start maybe drumming some. And we've not, I've not heard him drum yet, but I'm hoping he's like animal on the Muppets. All right? But let, let me tell you, and th- this, is not, this is not me speaking. This is Tabitha. Tabitha said this this past week. This is, what she, this is what she said. I heard about one church from friends, and it seemed like a good place from the way they described it. We used to go to a church, and we strayed away for a while. How many of, y'all, how many of us can relate to that? A lot of us, right? We just wanted to go to a church that wasn't full of Bible beaters and something with a little bit more contemporary music. 
We just felt accepted at one church in a real way. And I just feel like we both have connected closer to God and each other by volunteering our time here. My walk with Christ has grown greatly. And volunteering, I can see a lot more with what God is doing in my everyday life. I didn't pay her $20 to say that. She said that by her own self. The thing is, I guess my question is, where are you going to serve? For some of you, one church is kind of a fun show, and it's this and that, and it's never meant to be a show. It's meant to be a family. For some of you, it's a restaurant, and you're still checking us out, and I want you to keep on checking us out. We don't want want your money. We want you to give your heart to Jesus. But you need to hear this. Once you give your heart to Jesus, Matthew 6.21 says, wherever your treasure is, wherever your money is, there your heart will be also. And you can't serve both God and money. I just want to put that up front. We don't want your money. But once you give your heart to Jesus, one of the things he's going to start getting in your business is about money because he has it with me and and my wife. And he's going to do that with serving. So as we close, I just... you're getting ready to to see a video of all the different ministries you can volunteer in. And once you leave here, two things are going to happen. We're going to take the offering right before you leave, but we're going to have some people by the door, and we're going to give you a spiritual gift survey. And we want you to take, every adult to take one of those and fill it out so that you can figure out what you're good at because you're a 10 at something. And then from there, you can go to the iPad kiosk today. You can, in fact, I'm going to show you what it looks like, all right? You can go there, and you can see that? It says click here. It says click here to join a team. You're going to click that, and then from there, you can sign up for a lot of different ministries, and somebody's going to be giving you a call this week so that you can serve. So, as we close, where will you serve? Will you give? Will you be a part of something that's bigger than yourself? Or will you continue to be an orphan? Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for your love. And Lord, even though I don't like preaching about a lot of this stuff, God, it's in your word and we have to talk about it. So God, I just pray for us that some reason, I don't know why you set it up this way, God, but money is a thermometer of where our passion and where our heart is. And you said it yourself, Jesus. It's red letters in the New Testament that wherever we spend our money on, that's what we're worshiping. And God, I just, I pray, God, that for all of us, that we would try you out, that we would test you. Your word says, one of the only places it says, test you. Test me and see that I am faithful and good is when we are to give to you, God. And that's what we're going to ask. Lord, I pray for those who need to serve and need to step up and get off the bench and take off the running pants and get into the game. Because as we're getting ready to see pictures of lives that have been changed and kids who've accepted Jesus, all because regular people like us in here have chosen to say, I am willing to serve. Thank you so much, God, for giving us the opportunity to serve. Because none of us are perfect. But, Lord, you use us in spite of our imperfections. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.